And so I've entitled my first presentation tonight, A Thief in the Night. And before we get into God's Word, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, we see, we've seen all the signs of your second coming already throughout this seminar. And Lord, we see them happening each and every day, Lord, as we look out and watch the news and see all the things that are taking place, Lord. And we believe that you're coming as soon, but Lord, we want to understand tonight how exactly you are coming, Lord, according to scripture. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless our study here tonight, that you would give us wisdom, that you would send your Holy Spirit to guide us, and that you would make the truth clear tonight, Lord. I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, Lord, and that people would not see me, but that they would see you high and lifted up, Lord. And uh, we love you. We thank you for this time together, Lord. Bless our study tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What time is it? There's a group of thought leaders and scientists and Nobel Peace uh, Prize winners who control what's known as the Doomsday Clock. Anyone ever heard of the Doomsday Clock? Okay, well, the Doomsday Clock is a reflection of where these thought leaders believe that we are in relation to a coming global catastrophe. It's thought that right now that we're two and a half minutes to midnight. Now, last year, it was three minutes, so we're even closer this year to what the, 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 I guess you could say, the secular people believe is the end of the world or a catastrophe that will end the world. Unfortunately, though, friends, that's the sad state of our world, that even secular people think that something is up. Yes, it's sad, all the things that are taking place, and it's sad also that many people look at the end of the world as a hopeless event. They look at it in a hopeless way. However, when we study the Bible, we see that the end of the world is actually the greatest event in all of human history. Jesus spoke about it plainly in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Here Jesus says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house. Now where does the Father live? He lives in heaven, that's right. So in heaven there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So how is he doing this? How is Jesus preparing a place for us? Is he up there building mansions for the last 2,000 years? Uh, no, friends, he's not. It says in the text there that there are already mansions there. Or a better translation would actually be a dwelling place. Now, whether it's a mansion or just a room, I will be happy to be there. How about you? <laughs> so how is Jesus preparing a place for us? Well, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24 tells us, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, that is, not an earthly sanctuary, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, into the heavenly sanctuary, now to appear in the presence of God for whom? For us. So right now, Christ is there in the most holy place, representing us in the judgment. We looked at that extensively uh, last weekend, or no, two weekends ago now. Time is going by quick in our series. Um, but uh, you can be refreshed on that presentation by, by watching that DVD again. So, but we saw that he is there for us, and he's there and he's blotting out our sins. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So here we see that Christ is preparing a place for us by interceding for us as our high priest in heaven. Jesus continues in John chapter 14, verse 3. He says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will do what? 
I will come again. Amen. That is a promise, friends. That is a promise that we can take to the bank. Jesus will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Friends, Christ wants us to be with him forever. Isn't that beautiful? He doesn't want us to have any separation between him and him and us. And soon he will come and he will rescue us from this world of sin and sorrow. And that is something we can be joyful about. Amen? The second coming of Jesus is a very big deal all throughout Scripture. In, in fact, it's estimated that the Bible mentions the second coming approximately 2,500 times throughout the Bible. It's a major theme throughout all of Scripture. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, Paul describes the second coming as the Christian's blessed hope. It says, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And believers have been looking forward to the blessed hope ever since. When Jesus returns, friends, there will be no more devastating tornadoes. There will be no more terrible weather events. Jesus will come back and put an end to that kind of tragedy. There will no longer be starving children wondering where their next meal will come from. There will no longer be school shootings or, or terrorism. There will be no more violence, no more blood flowing in the streets. One day it will all be done. There will be no more illness. There will be no more disease. There will be no more cancer. There will be no more strokes, no more diabetes. There will be no more wheelchairs and no more crutches. No more broken homes. There will be no more marriages that are falling apart. There will be no more divorce. There will be no more child abuse. There won't be any more death. And there will be no more funerals. Amen? No more funerals, no more goodbyes, absolutely no more. One day Jesus will come back and it will all be done. And I don't know about you, friends, but I cannot wait for that day. Now, some people call this event the rapture. Now, and if you look at the Bible, you won't find the word rapture there, just like you won't find the word trinity in the Bible or the word millennium. However, you will find the concepts there in the Bible. So the word rapture actually means a snatching up or a catching away. And surely when Jesus comes back, his people will be caught up to meet him in the air. Unfortunately, though, friends, the sad reality is that many people aren't going to be ready when Jesus comes again, just like it was in Noah's day. Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, with all the people that were alive in Noah's day, how many people got onto the ark and were saved? Eight people. There were only eight people. Friends, there was a lot of people living on planet Earth in the time of Noah, but only eight got on. Now we have over seven billion people on the planet, yet I'm afraid that the vast majority of this world will be lost if they don't turn to Christ. And it's not because God isn't trying to save them. God is doing all that he can to save us. Amen? But it's because they've rejected his word. They've rejected his love, and they've chosen to go their own way. Yet it doesn't have to be like that. There's still time for people to give their lives over to Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen? We don't know how much time we have left, but we know that we have right now. And that is precious. We've seen that Jesus is coming soon and we long for that day. But the question is, is how will Jesus come back? Will it be a secret coming, as some say? Or will it be a spiritual coming, 
as others say? Or will it be a literal coming? Well, tonight, friends, what are we going to do? We're going to find out what the Bible says. Amen? Because the Bible is our authority. Acts chapter 1 records the ascension of Jesus into heaven. It says this in Acts chapter 1, verse 9. The Bible says, Now when he, that is Jesus, had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and the cloud received them out of their sight. Now keep these two key words in mind, cloud and sight, as we continue on. You'll notice them in several of the scriptures that we look at. It continues, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who, said, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, friends, there are people out there who say that Jesus is going to come back spiritually. In fact, when I was living in California for a short period of time, I was studying at uh, the community college there in Fresno. And I remember one day I was just looking through the phone book and I, I just, out of curiosity, I saw that there was a Baha'i temple in town. And so I called the Baha'i temple and was asking them some questions uh, about what they believe and, and what they base their beliefs off of. And they said, oh yeah, we believe Jesus came back spiritually. And, um, and it's just really, really crazy, friends. But has Jesus come back spiritually? No, he has not. His coming will be literal. Another point that supports Christ's literal coming is the Greek word parousia. Now, it's, it's the word that's translated coming in many of the second coming passages. For instance, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 3, Jesus' Jesus's disciples asked him, they said, what will be the sign of your coming? They, they used the Greek word there, parousia, and of the end of the age. Now, parousia refers to a literal coming, not a spiritual coming. I'll give you an example here in Scripture, found in 1 Corinthians 16, 17. Here Paul says, I am glad about the coming, or the parousia, of Stephanus and my other friends. It continues on. So here we see parousia, or the word coming, is used again in a literal way. Paul's friends were literally coming to that area. So the second coming is not a spiritual or a symbolic coming, it is a literal coming. Amen? And because Christ's coming is a literal event, Satan desires to deceive people by impersonating Christ's literal coming. Jesus warns us about this deception in Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 to 27. It says, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So Jesus told us beforehand because he doesn't want the elect to be deceived, okay? That's why Jesus tells us his signs of his coming. He doesn't want any of us to be deceived because the deception at the end of time will be so great, so convincing that the elect could be deceived if they aren't paying attention and if they aren't studying God's word. Jesus continues, it says, Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he, that is Jesus, is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Friends, if the media reports that Jesus is in Portland or Jesus is in Seattle, don't believe it. 
Don't believe it. It's fake news. Trust me on this one. It is fake news. <laughs> because it's not going to be Jesus. It will be the devil counterfeiting Christ's coming. When Jesus comes the second time, he doesn't come to walk on this earth. He comes to rescue his people and take them back to heaven. Notice what Jesus says here in Mark chapter 13, verses 26 and 27. It says, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, notice that word clouds again, with great power and great glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of earth to the farthest part of heaven. Friends, when Jesus comes, he comes with all of his angels, and he comes in clouds. He's not coming uh, down here to, to preach on TV or to do interviews with Megyn Kelly or with Anderson Cooper. That's not what he's doing when he comes. He doesn't come to live and walk on this earth. Again, notice the Bible says that his angels will gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest parts of the earth. And, and where are they gathered to? They're gathered to Jesus to go with him to heaven. And friends, when we compare scripture with scripture, we see that prior to being taken to heaven, Paul writes that God's people or his elect will be caught up together by angels in the clouds, as, as it says right here in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So Jesus doesn't actually come down on this earth to meet his people. He doesn't walk on this earth. This is a quick rescue mission. We're simply caught up to him by his angels. So don't fall for the devil's counterfeit coming. Don't go to hear him even if you hear that miracles are being done. Because believe it or not, friends, Satan can work false miracles. The Bible describes this. So we've seen thus far that the return of Jesus will be a literal event. Christ is coming back in the same way that he went up. He's coming in the clouds and he's coming with all of his angels. Notice what Revelation chapter 1 verse 7 tells us about the second coming. It says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and how many eyes will see him? Every eye will see him. Now, friends, do you believe the Bible? Do you believe the Bible can be trusted? Do you believe that God has a way that every eye can see him? Absolutely. God's word can be trusted. With every eye seeing the return of Christ, friends, it will be a very visible event. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 30, Jesus says, Then the sign of the Son of Man will, be, will appear in heaven, and then how many people will see? All the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they, that is, all the tribes of the earth, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with what? With power and great glory. So notice, they all see him. No tribe or people group will be left out. And and no, Christ doesn't need the media to make that happen. Why? Because he's God. Amen? <laughs> he created the world by speaking it into existence. God can make this happen. He knows how all the people on earth will see him. And just a few verses later, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, Jesus says, For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, friends, is lightning visible? Of course it is, right? So friends, there is no way that anyone is going to miss the return of Jesus. All the tribes of the earth will see it, the Bible says. So we've seen so far that the return of Jesus is going to be both literal and visible. 
How else will Christ come? Well, the Bible tells us in Psalm 50, verse 3, it says, Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. Friends, there is nothing silent or secret about the second coming of Jesus. The Bible continues there. It says, A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous all around him. Paul also describes how loud Christ's second coming will be. In 1 Thessalonians 4.16, he writes, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Notice it's not a whisper, it's a shout. (laughs) It's loud. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Now, did anyone here ever used to play the trumpet by chance? Okay, is the trumpet a loud or a quiet instrument? It is a loud instrument, right? So... This is going to be a very loud event, friends. And the dead in Christ will rise first, the Bible says. Now, that means that those who have died having a relationship with the Lord, they will go up first, the Bible says. So, friends, this shout, this this voice of the archangel, this trumpet blast is going to be so loud, it's going to wake up the dead in Christ. I don't know for sure, friends, but I think this this phrase... uh, don't be too loud or you'll wake the dead, may have come from this verse. (laughs) Then we who are alive, the Bible says, hopefully that will be all of us, amen? Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, that is, the dead in Christ, because they rise first, according to this scripture, and and we all meet in the clouds to meet the Lord, where? In the air. We meet him in the air. So when Christ comes back, he calls the dead, in Christ up first, then those who are alive are caught up to meet him in the clouds, in the air, and then by the grace of God, we are out of here. Amen? We are out of here, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. So the return of Christ will be a literal event. It will be visible. It will also be an audible event. You will definitely hear the return of Christ. But it gets even better, friends. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. It says, For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Friends, Christ came quietly once before in a very humble way when he came the first time. But the second time, he's not coming in that same way. He's coming in all of his glory with all the holy angels. What a sight! It will be, friends. Look again at the last part of this verse here in Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Jesus says, and they, will see the, the, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with what? With power and great glory. Christ, notice here, friends, that Christ is coming back with all his power and with great glory. And the good news, friends, is that he has power to resurrect. Amen? He has conquered death, and he has the power to resurrect our dead loved ones. He has power to give us new bodies uh, that are perfect, without disease, without any problems. I can't wait for that, friends. That will be wonderful. Praise God, he comes with all his power. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Friends, don't be ashamed of Christ and his words. Amen? 
Don't be ashamed of Christ. We're living in a very sinful and adulterous generation that mocks at God and mocks at his holy word. We're, we're in a generation that denies that God even created the world, friends. But we see, we've seen last week that God created the world in six literal days. Amen? We need a generation of young and old alike, a generation of Christ followers who stand up and are unashamed for Christ. Amen? We need, to be, we need to unashamedly stand for truth even when it's not popular, even in the face of persecution. Because when we stand up for the truth, we're standing up for Jesus. Amen? He is the way, the truth, and the life, the Bible says. So we've seen thus far that when Jesus comes back, it will be a glorious event. It will be a literal event. Just as he went up in clouds, he's literally coming back in clouds. It will be a visible event. Every eye will see him, the Bible said. It will be an audible event. He will come and will not keep silent, the Bible says. Trumpet blast will happen. The dead in Christ will rise. It's going to be an amazing event, friends. And the people who have waited so long to see their Savior are going to see him come back in power and in majesty. Christ comes to resurrect the righteous dead and to rescue the righteous living. That's a wonderful event we can look forward to. Now, obviously, friends, we know that we can't know exactly when Christ is going to return. We've covered that in our previous presentation on the signs of the second coming. Um, as Jesus said this, but Jesus did say this in Matthew 24, verse 33. He said, when you see all these things, all these signs taking place, then know that it is near. That is, his coming is near at the doors. And in Matthew 24, 42, Jesus gave us some very serious counsel. He said, watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Friends, if you know when the thief is coming, what do you do? You watch, right? You stay up. You stay alert. You stand on guard to make sure that this thief is not going to break into your house. You make preparations and you are ready. Friends, Jesus told us to be ready. To be ready. But we can't be lackadaisical about it because he really is coming back. And whenever that is, we need to be ready. Amen? I now want to look at an idea that is often misunderstood, and that is this idea that Jesus is coming as a thief. Let's look carefully at the verse that, that sometimes people get confused on. It says here in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 2, Paul says, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, that is the day Jesus comes back, the day so comes as a thief in the night. Now think about this, with all the texts that we've looked at describing the second coming of Jesus, can you imagine Jesus coming as a thief in the night? We saw that he comes back with a shout and with a trumpet blast. Now what kind of thief would show up at your house late at night and blow a trumpet and shout real loud? There's not a thief out there unless he actually wants to get caught. <laughs> so. So that's not what happens. Notice it's not Jesus who comes back as a thief in the night, but it says it's the day of the Lord that comes as a thief. That's because the day will catch so many people 
by surprise because they're not ready. They haven't been standing on guard. They haven't been watching. They haven't been studying God's word. They haven't been communing with the Lord. The question here is one of readiness. It's a question about the day of the Lord and when it comes. It shows what his coming, it shows that his coming will be unexpected by many, just like a thief comes unexpectedly in the night. So when the Bible talks about a thief, it's talking about the time that he comes, not the manner in which he comes. He's coming at a time that people don't expect him because they're not watching. They're not paying attention to the signs that Christ has given. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, Peter also compares the day of the Lord coming like a thief. It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with great noise. Notice it's not a quiet, secret event here. It's with great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. We need to watch and be alert, don't we? We need to prepare to meet Jesus when he comes back. Yet we must never set a date for the coming of Christ. For Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, knows no, no one knows, not even the angels of God, but who? My Father only. So friends, we cannot predict the date that Jesus comes back. We definitely should not be setting any dates, but we can know that his coming is near. Amen? That's what scripture tells us. When we see all these signs happening, know that it is near, even at the doors. The verse continues here in Matthew 24, verse 36. It says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. And what was it like in Noah's day, friends? Well, on our first night of Unlocking Prophecy, we saw these two texts. We'll review them here quickly. We saw that the days of Noah were very wicked. It says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. How often? Continually. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 says, The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Is Noah's day, does it sound a lot like our day? I believe it does. Our passage in Matthew continues here in verse 38. It says, For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Notice it was business as usual before the flood came, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. And what did the flood waters do to them? It destroyed them, right? So also will the coming of the Son of Man be, God's word says. So in Noah's day, everybody was invited to get on the ark. Noah preached. The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. He had a, a message, get on the ark, a flood is coming. A few got on, but most did not, right? The vast majority of planet earth did not. So those who got on the ark were saved, and those who did not get on the ark were lost. There wasn't a second chance after the door of the ark closed. That's a very important thing to note. Now remember what the Bible says. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now the Bible is very clear on what happens when Jesus comes back. Some will be saved and some will be lost. There will not be a second chance after Christ comes. But some may wonder, what about that verse that talks about the, the, the secret rapture? 
Don't people get a second chance, you know, when that happens, after that happens? Well, here's the passage that is often misinterpreted. Matthew chapter 24, verse 40 to 42. It says, Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. The question is, is where are, they, where are the righteous taken, friends? They're taken to heaven, right? Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Here's uh, the corresponding passage found in Luke chapter 17, verses 34 to 37. It says, I tell you, in that night there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other left. There will be two women grinding to get together. One will be taken and the other left. So the question is, is where will the wicked be left at the coming of Jesus? Well, the disciples also wondered this question, and in verse 37 of the same passage, the same context right there, they said to Jesus, they said, Where, Lord, where will the wicked be left? And he said to them, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. The wicked will be left dead on this earth during the 1,000-year millennium. I'm going to talk about the millennium here in a couple weeks, uh, a couple weekends from now. So we'll talk more about that more extensively later on. So here we see, though, that there were two people with the same advantages, the same situation, the same privileges, the same standing in life. One is taken and one is left. Like Noah's day, that means one is saved and one is lost. The one that is taken is saved, and the one that is left is lost. The danger of this secret rapture theory is that it gives people a false sense of security. They may think that if they're not a part of this secret rapture, they can just get their act together over the next seven years of tribulation and be saved. Let me illustrate the danger of this secret rapture theory this way. Let's suppose that you lived in a, in a really big city with a, a good transit system and you had to catch the bus to work every day if you happen to miss the first bus it's it's usually not not much of a problem right you just wait a few minutes and the next bus comes unfortunately there are some people who feel that way about the second coming they've been told that if they're not ready when jesus comes back that's okay because there's another one coming in seven years that is jesus will come back for certain saved saints. But the only person who really wants you to believe that it's okay to not be ready when Jesus comes back would be who? It would be Satan. It would be the devil. He's the one who says, oh, take your time, kick back, relax, do your thing, don't be so uptight. You know, you've got, a, you've got time, you've got second chances, and to some extent, you do have a second chance. You, your second chance was this morning when you woke up. If you woke up this morning and you were not surrendered to Jesus, Jesus gave you your second chance. He's given you another opportunity to know that he is a God of love and that your sins can be forgiven. It's another opportunity to know God's grace and, and, and to experience the gift of salvation. But to be clear, friends, there is not a second chance after Christ comes. The secret rapture is not biblical in its relatively recent event, uh, a relatively recent belief, actually. None of the Protestant reformers, like Martin Luther, 
Huss, Jerome, John Wesley, none of them believed in the secret rapture theory. That's more of a relatively recent development. So we've seen that people will either be saved or they will be lost when Jesus comes back. Those who are taken are taken to heaven, and those who are left are destroyed by the brightness of Christ's coming. Jesus tells us that there will be two groups when he comes back, the righteous and the wicked. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 32 and 33, Jesus calls the righteous sheep and the unrighteous goats. It says, All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. So the sheep go to heaven and the goats are destroyed by hellfire. And Revelation chapter 22 verses 11 and 20 tells us what will be announced right before Jesus comes back. He's up there in the most holy place in the sanctuary. He's ministering for us. He's interceding for us, the Bible says. And right before he comes back, he's going to end it all and he will say this, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. In other words, when this announcement is made, time is up, your destiny is sealed. The judgment is finished, and by that time, everyone will have made their decision for or against Christ. And when this pronouncement is made, the very next event will be the coming of Christ. The very next verse in scripture says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. Friends, God doesn't want us to waste the opportunities that we have to know him. Make the most of every opportunity that God gives you. He doesn't want any of us to be lost, but he wants us to be saved. He wants us to yield our hearts to him. He wants us to live connected with him to, and to enjoy the light of his presence on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. That's what each one of us can have. We can have that kind of intimate relationship with the Lord. We don't have to look forward to the end of the world with woe and concern. We aren't doomsday clock watchers expecting the world to end in catastrophe. No, we look forward to the second coming as our blessed hope. Amen? We look forward to the blessed hope. But the question is, is, well, will there be times of tribulation ahead? And the answer is yes. There will be times of tribulation ahead, a great tribulation. The Bible looks forward and says that there is a time of trouble coming such as never was since there was a nation. That's, that's true, but do we worry about this time of trouble? Do we have a time of trouble worrying about the time of trouble? We should not, friends. We should trust the Lord because if we're on his side, we're going to be okay. Amen? All throughout scripture, we see examples of the Lord saving his people through tribulation, not from tribulation. For instance, Noah was saved. Noah was not saved from the flood, but he went through the flood. Daniel was not saved from the lions, but through the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not saved from the fiery furnace, but they were saved through the fiery furnace. In fact, Jesus went through it with them. They saw a fourth that was there with him, and it was Jesus. And he will go through the great tribulation with us as well. Amen? The children of Israel were not saved from Egypt before the plagues fell, but afterward. 
God demonstrated his love and power by, pre by preserving them in Egypt through those ten plagues. And in the same way, the righteous at the end of the world, when the seven last plagues fall, will be protected because God is with them. In fact, in Revelation chapter 15, verse 8, the Bible says, The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So Christ will not come until the seven last plagues are completed. Then Christ will come and he will raise the righteous dead, and those who are alive will be caught up to meet the Lord where? We'll meet him in the air. Then the righteous will enter the temple in heaven with Christ. Friends, God will be with his people and he will be with them through the tribulation and he will protect them. That's good news, amen? So we've seen tonight that Christ's coming will be literal. Just as he literally went up, he's literally coming back. We've seen that Christ's coming is going to be visible. The Bible says that every eye will see him. In Revelation 1, 7, and the third thing we saw was that Christ's coming will be audible. He comes with a shout. He comes with a trumpet blast. There's going to be a great earthquake. It's going to be impossible to miss. And number four, we saw that Christ is coming in a glorious way. Christ comes with, in power and great glory with all of his holy angels. We've also seen that when Jesus comes back, there will be only two groups of people on the earth. There will be one group who has given their life to Christ, and there will be another group that has not. Revelation chapter 6 tells us how the lost will respond when Christ comes back. It says here in Revelation 6, verses 14 and 17, Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and every island was moved out of its place, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Friends, the wicked cannot stand in the presence of God. They want the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them, to hide them from the face of Jesus. Then there's another group. There's the saved. And Isaiah describes how the, how the righteous will respond when Jesus returns. And friends, I hope and pray that all of us will be able to say this one day soon. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Friends, do you want to be able to say that when Jesus comes? Amen. Jesus really is coming back soon. It is certain, friends, and he's not going to come back silently. When the king of the universe comes to town, the heavens will depart as a scroll, the Bible said. It will be anything but secrets. Everyone will know that he is king of kings and lord of lords. The variable is you and me. The question is, is will we be ready for that great day when Jesus returns? Being ready is the easiest thing you ever did. Being ready is saying yes to Jesus. Saying yes to Jesus with all of your known choices. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 37, The one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Jesus is waiting with open arms for each one of us tonight. 
Each day, let us surrender our lives into his hands. We wait and we wait. And the question is, is will it ever happen? Will he ever come? And the answer is, yes, he will, friends. The question for us, though, is will we be ready? And how many of you want to be ready when Jesus comes back? Amen. By God's grace and by daily surrendering your life to him, you and I and our loved ones can be ready for Jesus to return. Let's pray together as we close. Father in heaven, Lord, we've seen tonight, Lord, that, that your coming, your second coming, is going to be the most spectacular, the most wonderful event this world has ever seen. And Lord, we want to be among that number that say, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. Lord, please save us into your kingdom. Lord, help us to daily surrender our lives to you. Lord, there are so many attacks from Satan. There are so many distractions in this world right now. But Lord, help us to keep, help us to keep watch. Help us to be alert. Help us to not get drowsy and to fall asleep to the, to the things that are happening in this world. Lord, help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, help us to not have a time of trouble before the time of trouble actually comes. Lord, help us to trust you that you will be with us through the tribulation and that you, will, that you will save us at last, Lord, that you will deliver your people. Lord, we long for that day. May each one of us be ready. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.